Hello, and welcome to TV Dinner, the podcast where we take three bites out of a show and tell you how it tastes. I'm your host, Kalena. I'm your other host, Sean. And this week, we are giving our top five favorite shows. Happy holidays! Happy holidays! These are five shows that we feel were gifts to us, and this episode is a gift to you. <laughs> Um, so we had one rule that I definitely broke. What was the rule? The rule was that to claim it as our, one of our favorite shows, we had to have seen all of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Which disqualified a number of great shows from the running. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there are a bunch of shows that I was like, oh, I would definitely put this, but I've only seen like season one or, you know. Well, that means we have to finish watching those. That's true. Because, you know, if you're not all the way at least caught up, I think there there can be a turning point. Yeah, it can be hard to judge how you actually feel about something if you don't have the complete experience. So we are going to get started just because we had a hard time narrowing it down. We're going to do some quick honorable mentions. Yes. My honorable mention is going to be um, Over the Garden Wall. Oh, dang. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because it's just like a really like beautiful autumn show. It's a very good show. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it uh, this Halloween season, but I really wanted to. <laughs> we were busy. Yeah, it's it's very good and cute. Yeah, and the music. <laughs> uh, and my honorable mention is Common Rider Ghost. And yeah. It isn't like the best show ever, but it was the first Common Rider that I've watched all the way through, and it was really fun and wholesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, it was just a real fun time to watch it with you all the way through. Yeah, and yeah, we watched it together as it was coming out, which was fun also. Mm-hmm. It really elevates the experience. Yeah. <laughs> so do you want to go with your number five first, or should I? I'm really curious what yours is. My number five? Yeah. So I think only one of the things on my list is going to surprise you. Uh-huh. But this is not one of them. <laughs> oh, Okay. Uh, so uh, let me see if it does surprise me. Uh, number five is how to get away with murder. No, that does not surprise me. <laughs> um, so this is a show that me and you have been watching together since we've watched it from the beginning, but we only started watching it like a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, this is the show you're kind of cheating on, isn't it? It's one of the shows. <laughs> Kalena, <laughs> you won't you be surprised need to get on the better at either. finishing them. I know. See, the hardest part for me was actually finding shows that I have watched all of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it's partially why Ghosto is an honorable mention because I didn't know if I wanted that to be number five or this. Uh huh. Um, but I think this one definitely I enjoy a little bit more. It's very very dramatic. It's incredibly dramatic. (laughs) 
So I like How to Get Away with Murder. Um, its cast is really diverse, which is super nice. Um, in terms of, you know, race and sexuality, but also in terms of like their personality traits and the way they interact is really interesting. And I always love a good murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's from some unusual angles. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the weird timeline thing they do because the whole season, basically every season you're seeing what's happening now and then what's happening I, in the future or in the past. It reminds me of that study on plot twists where people were told the plot twists or the endings ahead of time and they seemed to rate their enjoyment of it more. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, it's kind of that way, but it's also, I love not getting spoiled on things because I love being surprised. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of both of those because you know how the aftermath is going already, but you don't know what exactly happened. Right. It's nonlinear, so you're always trying to connect the future events with the past events, and you're only getting, like, some clues in both time frames as they meet up. When we were watching the first season, I, the entire time, I was like, when are these two timelines going to meet up? Like, when is it going to go from the past and the future to just like one completed timeline the present (laughs) i guess and it's just like it's very interesting because again it's like oh i know that this character is dead but i'm seeing them doing stuff leading up to their death and they don't seem like they're gonna be murdered (laughs) no one ever does yeah but i mean like i can't see why this character was murdered they seem cool Mm-hmm. until they no longer seem cool yeah and how to get away with murder is just really good at like getting that like you always need a little bit of anxiety going into a murder mystery because that i think gets you the most enjoyment <laughs> uh yeah it, it really um it really leverages the tension of the premise well. Um, it's a combination of like a lot of really good elements that have never been, I don't think have ever been like mixed together in quite this way. The like flash forward, flashback type storytelling, mm-hmm. the both the tense like courtroom drama and the like detective-esque mystery along with all of the like almost soap opera-y levels of like Drama. drama and interpersonal relationship nonsense and and honestly the like most amazing thing about this show is that it's a cable show <laughs> <laughs> it's it certainly seems a cut above a lot of television i yes i will just agree with that <laughs> most i mean most uh modern shows that people are really into are Netflix originals or HBO shows, which isn't cable um, because they have more money to put into shows. But How to Get Away with Murder is like incredible. And I'm not, I guarantee they don't throw as much money into it as, you know, gets thrown into Game of Thrones just because of the, they don't need CGI. Right. Plus, uh, I think How to Get Away with Murder just has like a tighter core cast of like just genuinely excellent talent that's fair there are 
Um, so there is the main character, Annalise Keating, and then there <laughs> are the Annalise Five, which are five um, graduate students that she picks to help her out in her law practice, and they're the main characters. It's weird to think of Annalise as the main character because she's always her motivations and plans they're never clear are so unclear that I wouldn't think of her as the main character since she's she's definitely not a POV character. Yeah, well, for the longest time I thought um Wes was the main character because when you start the first season, it's all from his point of view because he like finally got accepted into law school from the waiting list and he's trying really hard but he's struggling. And then, like, as the characters get added, you start seeing things from their points of view, but you never really see anything. You yeah. do see stuff that Annalise is doing, but you never really know why. Yeah. she Well, she's definitely, like, the central figure of the narrative. Everybody else's lives, like, genuinely do tend to revolve around hers. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Wes is the character who made the most sense. He's, at the very least, he's the primary pov character i would say all of the annalise five are the pov characters i mean there is also he fills that very important role of not being too uh outrageous in his personality so that the watchers can put themselves in his shoes also he's confused by everything which is how (laughs) often the audience feels when they're watching legit every time like you look at wes's face he's always just like what's going on he has the face of a confused puppy but yeah he they do call him puppy a few times at least in the first season Mm. um but yeah he he's just i wouldn't call him bland he's definitely got a personality but it's just not like he's not a crazy party dude and he's not like a super overachiever in school he's just kind of like an average-ish guy he's not tropey yeah, which again is a good like role for to have for the watchers. Mm-hmm. You can go, oh, that that would be me. Gosh, that me. A, a lot of fucking drama happens in this show. So tell me your top. Tell me your number five. Okay, my number five. Um, my number five is actually going to be Mob Psycho One Hundred. Oh, cool. Um, Mob Psycho One Hundred is just. It's a creation by one who a lot of people know better for One Punch Man, but I genuinely think that Mob Psycho 100 is like a better piece of work, and I feel like it has some like serious messages to deliver. Whereas like One Punch Man, well, One Punch Man, I believe like it definitely isn't devoid of messages and themes. It's but definitely it's mostly a lot comedy. More jokey. Yeah, and Mob Psycho 100 is like it's funny a lot of the time too, but. It's actually considering that this the genuinely the stakes of the show are literally lower than in um, One Punch Man, where like the Earth is in danger all the time. Uh, the emotional stakes are significantly and immensely higher in this show. Yeah, yeah, because to, just to like. The, the basically in Mob Psycho 100, Mob is a kid who has like such incredible psychic powers that like a person with his powers is someone you'd assume would to be like someone who's not really human anymore. Mm-hmm. 
is like how much power he has. But the whole, a, a huge part of like the whole theme of Bob Cycle 100 is that people don't stop being people. They don't stop being human. Like even like someone who seems incredible or otherworldly or, or someone who seems like famous and talented and popular, even if they like have skills and abilities and stuff, they're also like, they're still going to be lacking in other ways. They're still going to be a human being and not some kind of perfect idol. Um, That's sweet. And Mob is just genuinely like a kid who is like trying to like be normal and improve himself. He's trying to improve his physique and his social life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he just also happens to have like immense psychic power (laughs) that gets him into trouble. Ultimate power. Yeah, and like genuinely there are there are dangers in this world. Um not like necessarily like physical dangers, but like yeah, there are people who are going to be like challenging him uh and like even though he's like stronger than everyone, he he only gets stronger and stronger than everyone as he like loses control over himself and his emotions, which is totally different from Saitama. Oh yeah, that's Okay, yeah, quick uh, assertion. I'm not commenting as much because I've only seen the very first episode of this show. Yeah, I, I really think that you should watch more. Um, well, because I will. Just, just like a huge part of it is that like he does not want to use his powers to hurt people, but like, like anybody, he has his breaking point where if you push him like far enough, he is going to hurt you but he's also going to like feel really bad about it afterwards um and there's a lot more drama than just him going on there are are people who are like trying to use their powers for fame and there are people who are normal and who resent and obsess over the fact that there are other people with psychic powers but like at the end of the day mom psycho is all about like yeah Straight up, we're all human beings, and even if someone does seem, like, incredibly powerful with their psychic powers, they're also just a human being with all of the, like, same flaws and qualities as a human being does have. They're not some kind of, like, special person, you know what I mean? Yeah, one thing that was um, interesting to me, apparent from the very first episode, obviously, was that um, Mob was basically just a normal kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times in shows and movies, if there is a kid that has especially psychic power, but any, like, important power, Mm -hmm. they're always written to be, like, more knowledgeable and, like, more mature than they should be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And Mob is written to be naive, like a kid would be, and he wants to make friends, and he trusts people. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's very refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just he he's just got like he's a person who doesn't know how to deal with things because he seems like he seems like just a regular inconspicuous person, and he hasn't had a lot of experience with like socializing with other people. So the reason why he seems so 
subdued and naive is because he's constantly like suppressing all of his daily stress and emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's like a bad habit. Like he suppresses his feelings and then he explodes. And that's like one of the huge problems he has to deal with. That's in- that's an interesting theme. I like it. Yeah, it's very, it's very unique. Uh, and also like, not just to get too caught up on the theming, it is also like <laughs> an amazingly looking show and with also an amazing like sound to it, but mostly the visuals and animation. Uh, like you can tell that people are passionate about like one's work. It It is very nice. So another kind of thing that I noticed with Mob Psycho is that One Punch Man became an anime from the manga that was from one's webcomic. Yeah. His, and the his... manga, yeah, his his art style isn't like the best art style around, but people really liked it. So the manga was drawn by a different artist who was very, very particular. And um, the anime's art style was based off of the manga. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but Mob Psycho 100's art style is based off of one's art style. Yeah. Which is apparent, and again, super nice, because you don't need, like, beautiful, glistening robot characters to make your show good. (laughs) I'm cool with it, but... (laughs) Let's see. I I forget exactly what uh, um, style it is, but... You should definitely watch the ending animation to Mob Cycle 100 because it is a uniquely beautiful hand-done piece of work. Cool. So, um, number four? Number four. Are you going or am I? Are we flopping back and forth? Um, I think I will. I think I will just go first every time. Okay. Unless you would like to go. That's, I don't care either way. <laughs> So I think this is the one that's going to surprise you. My mm. number four is Pushing Daisies. Oh. Did you <laughs> cheat with this show too? No, we watched the whole thing together. We did? <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I really don't remember. Yeah, well, you have a really bad memory. So um, it's really sappy. <laughs> Um, but part of the reason this is one of my favorite shows is uh, you're a year older than me. Mm-hmm. And so you went off to college before I did. And <laughs> what? Nothing. Um, and so we would hang out online a lot and we would go on. What were we using at the time to stream video? Uh, I think it was just live stream. What was live it called? Stream. It was something like that. Um and you would stream Pushing Daisies on live stream, and we would talk over Skype about it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that was like my weeknights was hanging out with you on live stream and Skype. Gosh, that was a while ago. I have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> it was a very long time ago. And so we... We watched the entirety of Pushing Daisies probably over over a semester. Oh, yeah. Man, I love Pushing Daisies. I'm surprised that I forgot about that and didn't put it on my list. (laughs) 
I honestly forgot about it and then I saw it. Um, I legit, because I was like, I don't know what I've seen all of. And I Googled a bunch of shows and I saw Pushing Daisies. I was like, I've seen all of that and it's very good. And I have a lot of like fond nostalgia attached to it. Oh, yeah. So, um, reg- you know, past the the like sappy nostalgia for Pushing Daisies, um, it is a really good show. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of uh, the characters are all interesting and well written. And even though it's kind of like, I wouldn't call it like a murder mystery because it's not really a mystery usually. Uh, it's it a, is... a necromantic. Get it? Yes, murder yes. mystery series. <laughs> it's it's very bubbly. Yeah. Everything is even like the heavier stuff is is told in a lighthearted way, and there's lots of puns, and it's just really cute. Yeah, it's got this like really bright, saturated style, and it fits in with an almost like not fairy tale, but something else. I've heard it referred to as like a forensic fairy tale. um um and so the main character uh can bring people to who have died back to life if he touches them but if he touches them again they die again Mm -hmm. and uh he uses this power to help a detective figure out um who murders people yeah people were murdered by he coincidentally got into the business of solving murders easily um but he also runs a pie shop and he gets i want to say he probably gets like really discounted fruit because it's super old and then he brings it back to life by touching it (laughs) yeah he he fixes up his pies using his back to life technology too which is kind of an amazing why did i say technology it's (laughs) magic and unexplained it's technology it's unexplained magic he he invented it when he was a child yeah, <laughs> after like a tragic accident with his powers uh, on his mother, him and his childhood sweetheart uh, both lose parents and go on to have um, very ways. imperfect childhoods. Yeah, and um, they kind of come back together and... Like they were linked in ways that they didn't know, or at least she didn't know. But yeah. it's it's really cute. Um, it's a romance, and again, also kind of forensicy. And uh, but the style, like, I am just like kind of really sick of nowadays where anything that's like a little bit gritty has to be desaturated. Mm-hmm. And this isn't gritty at all. Again, it's very lighthearted and bubbly, even when it's not even when it's dealing with kind of heavier stuff. Yeah, it's but I just like, like eating a pie. The, yeah, the color palette has, is really nice. Yeah, like the fruit might be a little bittersweet sometimes, but it's still like overall just like a very, it's just like a very sweet experience. Yeah, so um, I like it for those reasons, and I like it because I think it's it's one of the things that like brought us together, even though we were already together at that time. It's something that brought us closer. Yeah, so Pushing Daisies is my number four. What's yours? Um, before we move on from Pushing Daisies, I just want to like really quickly put out there, Emerson Codd, Olive Snook, 
like the best characters on TV, <laughs> at least for like, um, though, like, at least from like 2005 to 2010, they're like the two best characters that were on TV ever. <laughs> Just like, I want to put that out there. <laughs> okay, cool. Like, at least that. Yes. Uh, so that's your number four pick, huh? Yep. Uh, my number four pick is uh, an interesting show. Uh, I think that you won't have expected this one either. Um, it's Better Call Saul. I would not have expected that one, actually. Yeah, it's just that as I was thinking about, like, what are some, like, truly great shows that I've enjoyed, it's just, I've never had a a show, like, this is one of the few shows that have, like, really impacted me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like, it, it, it really drew me in, like, it's based off of Breaking Bad, but I would consider it, like, a better show for, like, the important distinction that in Breaking Bad, like, I, I feel like it was not, like, the story of, like, a good guy who, like, through unfortunate circumstances is corrupted, I feel, I always felt like Walter White was always, like, he inherently had, like, was a bad guy who, like, he let his, like, bad guyness shine through and he like grew into a like worse and worse like he became a more competent bad guy not like a Mm -hmm. worse person yeah whereas like better call Saul I feel like Saul is a person who like genuinely struggles with doing the right thing for like because of all of the shit and drama in his life um I don't think you ever met Saul Goodman Um, (laughs) no I am so the interesting thing, I'm going to say it now, is that I think you've watched all of the shows on my list. And I think I've maybe I've only seen one of the ones on your list. Which is really unfortunate. <laughs> but um, I remember one time, it was after like a new episode of Better Call Saul had come out. Mm-hmm. And we were like talking on the phone or texting or something. And you were like, I'm very upset. <laughs> and I was like, what's wrong? And you told me that, you know things in the show had gone really not like the show had gone downhill but like the events in the show were very like saddening yeah and they I, were it, it, it specifically like upsetting to me a specific thing and i and i said to you well it's a really good show then because you have feelings yeah he, it is a really good show it's like it's incredibly like well made and well written and there's a lot of great drama um i i think anything that makes you have feelings whether or not you are like upset by it or happy by it if it made you have feelings it's probably a it's probably good yeah um so since you've barely watched breaking bad i will set up a few things here okay Um, so in breaking bad he is a he is one of the like He's a sort of a breakout hilarious side character who became like more important than originally intended um, called Saul Goodman as in it's all good man. Oh, good. He is he he is under a fake name, the attorney for um, the most notorious criminals in Breaking Bad. Oh, cool. Um, but so he Better Call actually... Saul is a prequel, right? Yeah, Better Call of Saul is a prequel. It's a prequel of who he was before he was Saul Goodman. Mm-hmm. And he was a, a Jimmy McGill, who is just like a small time attorney just trying to make 
a name for himself. Um, and his like, his like more, he's morally very flexible, but he's incredibly ambitious at the same time. And those conflicts create a lot of drama. Mm -hmm. Basically like throughout the show, he's constantly getting like wrapped up in how to put this. Hijinks? Or like hijinks more is serious. one way of putting it. Serious hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, as his as he gets bigger and bigger as an attorney, because he is he is genuinely a good attorney, but his his moral flexibility and his he he used to be. He used to be a bit of a, he used to be a criminal and he used to be a, a, not exactly a con man, but more of a, um, no, he was a criminal. He was a <laughs> con man and he was one of those people who would like fake an injury type people. Ah, I got you. That's, well, I don't know that's what the a con word for that is. or a scam, maybe a scammer. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was a criminal. He was a con man and he was a scammer. And now those skills have made him both incredibly flexible to the law and morality, but are also helping him out at being like an incredibly good attorney. Cool. Just like there is like a lot of great talent. Um, and it's just like, it's a story with a lot of t twists and turns. <laughs> it's a good show and you like it. Yeah. I cared when he made a serious moral lapse for his own ambition and i cared about it just so much to the point where i was pacing around about to like tear my hair out in like real life and it had like real consequences and i still walked away from the season wanting more that's cool yeah is it still going there's a new season right or is it done so? Not currently running because um, uh, it tends to run entirely in the first half of the year. But I mean, is another season coming out? It's been renewed for uh, another season. The fourth season is going to air in 2018. Um, cool. But it, it's been a long time since the third season aired. Okay. So, number three. Number three. <laughs> So this is the other one I kind of cheated on. Yeah. And none of the rest of these will be surprising to you. Okay. Steven Universe. Steven Universe. It's a good show. Yeah. Um, there's been just so much drama around it. Well, I don't know anything about, like, drama. I do know about Cartoon Network's scheduling issues mm -hmm. if that's what you mean by drama yeah it's just it's uh, it feels like a lot of the passion for it has died down because of cartoon network has like just like as a network gotten like really like worse and worse lately yeah we're not gonna get into that <laughs> but yeah so steven universe i'm not caught up on because it's so i was watching it as they were coming out like weekly or basically whenever an episode coming out because it was very consistent. Inconsistent? Then, no, at the beginning it was very consistent. Oh, right. It was. And so 
I was watching it as it was coming out. And then they started doing Stephen Bombs, which was fine. It was like one Stephen Bomb every month or so. But then like I would get all my content at once and I would be like craving more and I'd have to wait like another month or two for another Stephen Bomb. And it was really annoying. I was like, why can't mm-hmm. you just do like an episode a week like normal people? And yeah. then it got even more inconsistent. Like now it's not even five episodes every two months. It's like one episode every and then three weeks later, another episode and then like five weeks later and ep- two episodes and that's why I haven't really been keeping up recently because Cartoon Network's airing schedule is insane. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's winter break now, and I'm planning on uh, catching up as much as possible mm-hmm. because I still really love the show. Yeah, the show by itself, without anything else to, to like, uh, without any outside influences to affect anyone's opinion on it, it's still just like, it's an incredibly well-made and well-written show with it's both like it's still like a great show for kids but it also like is still is dealing with a lot of like serious and relevant to the modern day themes and issues and is able to write characters who are complex morally it's it's a very it's kind of similar to pushing daisies and that it's very bubbly and um (laughs) Like, lighthearted, and it's very bright. Um, It is a kid's show, um, but it does deal with, like, heavy themes. Like, it deals with themes of social anxiety and loss and... Legacy. This is is a kid's show I have cried at more than once. Mm -hmm. It can be a real tearjerker sometimes, which I think is part of the power of it. But it, it rarely leaves you at the end of an episode, like in despair the only times it really does that is if it's a two-part episode and then you watch the second (laughs) part and you're fine yeah Uh. but um the individual episodes are really nice they're just like it started out kind of as monster of the week and then the plot kicked in and it's like this is so much more than i ever expected and it's fucking amazing and even now there when there are like filler episodes there's still like world building and the relationships between the characters even in filler episodes like grow and change and people evolve over the seasons and it's really amazing and i like it (laughs) Yeah. yeah i'm i'm not the only person that likes it pretty much everyone does and everyone who doesn't like it hates that everyone likes it <laughs> it's become weirdly divisive but it's nice um, and it's another show that's that's kind of diverse in casting um, yeah which is it's... which is nice because a lot of something that kind of <laughs> bothers me is with a lot of animated stuff even if the characters are diverse the voice actors aren't necessarily yeah i understand um but the the voice actors are are very diverse in this, and so are the characters, and it's nice that way. Yeah. Uh, the reason why that... It's funny, it's weird how that happens sometimes, because sometimes, sometimes a voice actor will come in, and they will try out for a character, and they won't even know, like, what that character looks like, or what what kind of character they are because it's like all wrapped up in like secrecy and like code names and stuff so you don't know what the character looks like and you don't really know who exactly the character is you just know that they want a character who is like this and you try to 
be like that in the audition. And then next thing you know, you, you are a, a like white actor and you are like, it's like, okay, here's the character that you'll be acting as. And it's just like, oh, okay. I mean, I, I didn't I know definitely that until don't, now. I definitely don't blame the actors usually. Um, it's a, it's just one of those things where it's like the the casting people could have done better. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to like, I'm not even trying to come up with that as like an excuse for the actors. I'm just trying to come up with that as just like, it's super weird how casting is done. It's bizarre and sometimes it almost seems like it has no logic. But one thing that kind of gets me in the like, so this is a really good show um, and it's Bob's Burgers. The show is amazing, but a lot of the women are voiced by the white male creators. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets me because, like, I guess it's it's very, like, personal for them and they like to make the jokes and whatever. But I feel like it was a really good opportunity to give some funny female voice actors a paycheck. And they basically were like, nope. Yeah. <sighs> Because they, I mean, they were writing it, so it's not like they weren't involved in it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's a really good show, and I don't hate it at all, but that just kind of irks me. It's super weird nowadays, this, like, trend of the creators doing voices, um, which is totally irrelevant to Steven Universe. Yeah, but, um, yeah, anyway, all of that is irrelevant, but Steven Universe is a good show, and it's it's good for kids and it's good for adults. Um, like some of the themes are really heavy, but I don't think kids aren't going to enjoy it because of that. I think uh, kids are even a little bit uh, better at accepting those kinds of themes than we are. Steven Universe just has like this like incredible sense of like place and setting and world building. Mm -hmm. It's like a really wonderful coming of age story with like, and everyone is, like, lifelike in how they are, like, changing. Like, none of the characters are the same as how they were at the start, especially the gems. Even though, like, th they seem literally unchanging, they actually have changed, like, I think the most yeah. out of any of the characters. They they have um, incredible character arcs, and it's, it is very interesting um, because they are kind of growing with Steven, um, even though they don't really age. Um, yeah. And it's... Most kids shows, I would normally say, like, you can kind of watch them in any order because they're episodic, generally. But because the characters grow so much, I would recommend maybe not watching every episode, but, like, skipping around in order if you want to skip around. Steven Universe has hella continuity, so that's a difficult question. No, but I mean, like... If you don't want to watch every single episode, don't go like episode 60 to episode 2 to episode 35. I would go like 2, 4, 6, 8. <laughs> there, or just not just, skip any at all because it's got like impeccable design and music. They're all, it's all very good. Um, and yeah, that's all I really have to say about it. What's your number three? Okay, okay. Um, my number three uh, is. A pick that, like, I wasn't sure if I should put it this high or not, but it's Revolutionary Girl Utena. That doesn't surprise me at all. Utena is just... 
it's not a perfect show and it deals with a lot a lot of like really heavy themes um and sometimes you know like some people uh it's not for everybody because for some people like especially the like second and third arcs it becomes like very surreal and dense and sometimes it's hard to parse um and a lot of what's going on the show going on in the show is like symbolic it's all it becomes a like a very heavily metaphorical and allegorical so it can seem like it, it, i thankfully had like a very nice specific community of people who helped me get through ten of the first time um but <laughs> it almost you. yeah it almost feels like without it almost feels like without some guidance or some discussion if you were to like just watch the show like if you were to like binge watch it or something um then you could might come away from the show like really disliking it honestly i think that utena is a show that needs a lot of time so like but despite all of those like what are essentially negatives that i just said about my number three show of all time (laughs) it's also like this really incredibly like beautiful show about like big growing into adulthood because so many so many shows are about coming of age but but this is about how this is it's sort of about both like the the tragedies of coming of age um and how like important it is that like that that you don't like lose hope and become a cynical adult when you grow up mm-hmm. it, it, it tackles um a lot of like really dark subject matter especially like the more deeper that you get into the show i mean even um, in the beginning oh yeah it, <laughs> it starts dark and gets darker yeah so I definitely agree with what you say about needing a guide. So this is probably a show that's easiest to get into if you already know someone who's into it. Because Mm -hmm. I watched... I haven't seen a significant amount of it, but I've seen more than an an episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've watched it with you, and pretty much a lot of stuff happens where I'm like, what is going on? I have no fucking clue what's happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a show that had a, like, very auteur-type artsy director. Yeah. Um, and oh. it's a show with a lot of mystery. My number three and your number three are connected. Oh? Um, the creator of Steven Universe, Rebecca Sugar, um, really, really likes Revolutionary Girl Utena. Oh, yeah. There is definitely um, connections. And uh, there... Yeah, there isn't a lot of uh direct like connections but there's a lot of like very little details that kind of call back to Tenna. um mm-hmm. i just thought of it and thought it was interesting oh no it's interesting because they are definitely are uh connected in some ways yeah but it's just like it, it's a it's a very complicated show that it's hard to simplify but if i had to simplify it i genuinely think that it is a show about uh abusive relationships and healing 
and about like the power dynamics between people, especially between um, like teenagers, like older children and like young adults and how that is an area the coming of age area is like an incredibly vulnerable place for people filled with toxic people and growing out of being a toxic person and cutting out to the toxic people in your life is an incredibly integral part to Utena in my mind. That's fair from what I've seen. Um, from what I've seen, it's also very much kind of taking control of things that are like happening, not just like mm-hmm. having things happen around you, but helping things along in one way or the other. Yeah, it's all about power dynamics and control, uh, which is why there's that prince and princess theme to the show. Yeah, not not even a subtle theme. It's very, uh, hello, this is a theme. Yeah, and it's also like very explicitly gendered. Yeah, but so it's explicitly gendered, but the main girl, Utena is explicitly gendered as a prince. She, Utena is... Well, maybe not always explicitly. Utena is definitely a girl, but she's definitely also someone who is trying to fit into the prince dynamic. But I mean, Uh, it's just interesting that you say it's explicitly gendered because Utena is the one that's trying to fit her role into the prince category. Yeah, um, this this show is definitely a lot of the show is about binaries. So I I would say that the characters being boys and men and characters being girls, uh, and, and characters being princes or princesses are two separate layers that all of the characters are operating on. Mm-hmm. Um which is like really important. I I'm going to be a prince is the line that has all of the meaning of the show wrapped up in it. All right. As as vague as the show <laughs> itself. But I'm promising a lot of depth to this show. It is I every single time I watch it I get the the feeling that this show is incredibly deep and I am not it's very mysterious very mysterious so uh we are going to take a short break and then we're going to get back with our top two in a second happy holidays
And we're back. And we're back. So we are back with our number two favorite shows. All right. Do you want to go first this time? Sure. My number two favorite show of all time is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Nice. (laughs) Avatar Aang, he's just the best person. He's very good. And so you want to know a secret? What's a secret? I knew this was going to be your second favorite. Ah. Um, And I had you go first this time because it is my first favorite. Oh. So that we're still trading off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So um, this is a show that made both of our lists because it is very good. It's incredibly good. And we are blinded by nostalgia a little bit, but not so blind that we can't see that it is a very good show. It's an incredibly good show. It's just, it's well paced. Each season starts, it goes, and then it stops in a good arc. There are very few actual flaws. And there are, like, stakes in the show. As a child, I, okay, like, if I watch this now... I would never have assumed that children could get so invested in the fucking, the war, could mm-hmm. get so invested in how how bossing says somehow remains neutral, even though they should be helping out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's some season two shit, but. Is this some, oh, this show's not for kids, man, type thing. No, I mean, it's definitely for kids because I loved it when I was a kid. But like, I just never thought that themes like the themes this show has are something that could be so universally gripping. It's it's an incredibly great show. It's just it, it, it drills right down into into its audience with what what great storytelling is, you know? Yeah. And it's still like funny and fun even when it's being sad or dramatic. Yeah. It's got a lot of the same strengths as Steven Universe where it's got like really incredible world building that unfolds as the show goes along naturally. Plus Mm -hmm. it's got like really realistic and like living and changing characters. Yes. I um the show definitely has a tighter plot, though, which is part of why it's my number one and Steven Universe is my number three. Mm-hmm. Avatar has just gotten very, like, I wouldn't call it concise storytelling because there are filler episodes <laughs> like most shows. I mean, there are, but they're very enjoyable fillers. Like what? <laughs> now that you've said that, I don't remember. The but Great definitely... Divide is the one filler episode of Avatar. It's the one episode that I think people can and should skip. But every other episode, I think, is... What is it? Uh, that's the one where, like, Katara and Sokka, like, split up, and there are these two tribes that are, like, very different, and one's prim and proper, and the other one's dirty and rough. I don't think... Because the episode's bad, you don't even remember it. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> I still think I would watch it. I, I, you call it the one filler episode, so I don't think it's that bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I recently rewatched through the whole series, and that is that's the episode where at, at the end it's like Aang just like lies and gets them to deal with it. <laughs> it's the it's the one victory he gets not by like any like mature no like growth into adulthood or spiritual growth or like growth as a bender no he just fucking lies to them and moves on with his life because their problems were petty and stupid (laughs) yeah i i think one of the most important things about this show especially for young people growing up and watching it such as we were Mm um are its themes about i mean again what we really love, I think, I'm finding out is coming-of-age stories. We are very into them as young adults. We, we we really like it when characters can grow and realize their flaws and work on them. And it's not it's not just, like, personal growth or the show has uh, got bigger themes than that. There's spiritual growth. There's moral growth. Mm-hmm. There's, like... The, there's a huge thing about morality in this show and like the characters trying to figure out like what they are and aren't okay with yeah every character in this show is amazing but ang and zuko are on like a whole nother level of storytelling yeah Z- zuko again zuko's character arc is like so legit makes me cry thinking about it mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's very important, especially in the third seasons where the other characters have to deal with his character arc. Yeah. It's not, it's not that the characters are growing alone, they're growing together. He's, he's damaged and he thinks he needs to redeem himself and he's in a dark place. And throughout the whole show, not only does he redeem himself, but he redeems his whole nation. Yeah, despite their best efforts. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just like... Again, it's very important to not only, like, grow as a person, but to help your friends grow. Yeah. And and Aang is an incredibly deep story. He is a a lone survivor of of an imperial genocide who is, like, he is constantly, like, struggling with loneliness and living up to legacy and living up to... Uh, the ideals of the airbenders too above all else because he's the last one left and like he is the like last bastion of his whole culture which is like an incredible burden to bear and like while while holding on to and preserving your culture when other cultures are trying to overwrite and wipe it out is not something i can relate to personally I think that it's a super important theme and one that I'm glad that a lot of children out there heard. Definitely. Um, I struggle to imagine that people are listening to this right now that have not seen The Last Airbender. I mean, if they haven't, then... You have to. It's the... Just go watch it. I'm not kidding. Uh, This year, actually... um, one of my friend's roommates had not seen Avatar The Last Airbender and they literally sat them down and would like every day or every other day would watch an episode until they finished it. They were like, you have to watch this. And they loved it. Like, exactly. They didn't, they didn't resent it at all. They were like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe I missed out on this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really affecting. 
um, for everyone. And uh, in my recent rewatch, I think one of the most important messages that it imparts nowadays is how you have to take a a wider view of the world. You can't let yourself be boxed in by uh, the narrow, like the narrow viewpoints of like of just your family, of just your nation. You have to, you have to look past the differences in in nations and cultures, and you have to see everybody as people and as equals. It's a very beautiful show, and I love it a lot. And now I'm very worried about what your number one is. Yeah, the, <laughs> my number one is a very personal Wait. choice. Okay. Uh, do you want to hear my number two? Yes. So we already discussed my number one. So after this, we are going to the number one, I guess. Uh, it's, it's, it's not definitively the number one, because okay, Avatar fine. really deserves to be in that number one spot. But Avatar is the number one. But after we do my number two, we are going to the last episode that we're going to talk about. Or the last show that we're going to talk about. Yes. This one is not going to be surprising to you at all. And it is very in line, theme-wise, with everything else we've been talking about. It is My Hero Academia. Ah! Uh, <laughs> my Hero Aka almost got on my list, too. Oh, it's... Okay, so it is a coming-of-age story, and it's also a superhero story. And there are a lot of flaws. I've... I've gone on the show saying that anime is bad, and I love anime, and it is bad. <laughs> but this... <laughs> But uh, this show isn't as flawed as in in the way that a lot of anime is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is very um, male heavy, <laughs> but it does have like amazing female characters. Yeah, um, it well, it definitely falls into uh, some of the shonen tropes, and mm-hmm. it's it's got some flaws. It is, I think, it is still just also like there's a reason why it it, it it so quickly distinguished itself and it like already like stands head and shoulders above like the greatest shonen an- shonen anime and manga of all time above the greatest or as the greatest um what is the greatest i mean a lot of people like want to say or that like, stuff like a lot of you like when it comes Naruto, One Piece. That's Bleach. just with like the successes, <laughs> but yeah, like there's a reason why it was already in people. Like w- as soon as like My Hero Academia like started and people started paying attention to it, people were already immediately making fan art of like the like b- big names in shonen ha- passing the torch onto him. Like everybody, Dragon Ball, Naruto, what One Piece, even ever, all of them looking down on Deku and like knowing that his series is going to be the next big thing. He, he uh, My Hero Academia, it was immediately recognized as the next big thing with good reason. It is. Um, the show is very well paced. Um, I would consider maybe a little bit fast paced, but it's never like. It's never too fast to catch, and it's never boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have specifically looked. We have specifically looked for uh, and watched episodes that are not in the like normal continuity. So they are like 
filler fillers. They're not even fillers. They're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it's just like. It's just that good. The characters are all really interesting. Like when I think of traditional superhero stories, you've got the one that's really fast and the one that's really strong and uh, the one that can freeze stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And this show, I mean, it's got all of that, but it's also got characters, one that can create anything that that she wants and one character that is a frog. Yeah. And it's um, everybody's really unique and everyone has a character arc even if it's not like explicitly explored in in the season so far yeah even like even the show the show is like directly focused on um deku um and we don't get a lot of the huh I, i was saying deku and bakugo as like their rivalry is very important but it is Mostly Deku. I mean, Bakugo really doesn't get that much attention outside of being, like, Deku's rival. Well, I was gonna say, he gets a whole lot of attention in season one, but season two, he's kind of, like, pushed aside a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think because season one is all, like, Deku trying to get over the fact that his rival is the biggest thing stopping him from doing what he wants to do. Yeah. I, I think that it's because in season two, like, they really... They really stopped to take the time to establish that everybody in his class were also students trying to be heroes with just as much passion as him, who, like, they are all peers and rivals who are competing with him and pushing him towards the top. Yeah, season two has a lot of um, really good story building when it comes to the side characters um so i kind of again from season one i kind of expected it to be mostly about deku and bakugo who are rivals but season two like has a lot of the struggles of the other students that aren't like necessarily as important or um so there's the the one character that i said uh, who can create anything there's like a whole episode dedicated to how she struggles with being confident in her decisions Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a whole episode on a bunch of different characters, and it's really nice. And that's part of why I think we look out the the extra, extra episodes, the fillers that don't air on, like, the mainstream. Because mm-hmm. um, there is one about uh, Asui and her friend who is a mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> no, her friend was a lizard person. A snake lady. No. Her friend who's a mongoose. Do you mean when she was at the internship? Hold on. Her friend is a snake. Cause snakes her, eat oh, frogs. her name is Mongoose, though. Her name is Mongoose? And she's her a name snake? Is, her name is Habuko Mongoose. Her name is Mongoose. She's a snake lady, and she's best friends with a frog girl. But she is a snake lady. Mongooses eat snakes. This kind is, of fucked up, if you think about it. This is a weird food chain thing going on here. Okay, so her name really is Mongoose. Yes. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> I wasn't crazy. Anyway, like, there's just this, like, whole other episode that doesn't even involve, like, any of the main characters or any of the main plot, and it's such a good and important episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think My Hero Academia uh, is able to do stuff like that because it's able to 
it's able to sit comfortably with the fact that it doesn't need to focus on its main hero all the time. It needs, doesn't need to constantly be impressing upon you that the main character is important. That's that's fair to say. Um, it has again, the comfort room for other characters to be exceptional besides just the hero. He He's very good and his growth is like really incredible and amazing to watch but it doesn't neglect other characters to focus on him which is also really nice yeah um unlike naruto i think that it's a really nice show about passionately chasing your dreams um and that like last i checked like it in shonen jump it was like number two and like on a chart it is like just below one piece um and like holding that position confidently like they essentially like top the charts and don't have to worry about competition from people below them Uh like my hero academy has like already established itself as something that has that kind of staying power it's very good and i agree that it it has the ability to become one of like the shonen it's it's has the ability to get up on the list with naruto one piece and bleach but i hope that it doesn't you know you you die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain or whatever right you hope it doesn't get too bogged down in shonen tropes you hope that it can surpass itself that's what really killed bleach for me is that it just it was literally it just ended up being like fight after fight after fight after fight like no plot no development like this is just fight show now we just fight Mm. and i and i want this show to continue on its track of being incredible uh well hey we are just watching the show and from what i can tell from the people who are ahead of us because they've been reading the manga we are in for quite a ride all i i don't know any specifics but i know that we are in for upheaval and a drama all right let's do it the good kind (laughs) Sean, mm-hmm. you're number one. Okay, uh, my number one television show of all time uh, is definitively... Wait. Wait. <laughs> Wait for what? Quick reminder, quick reminder, mine is Avatar The Last Airbender. It's the best show forever. Continue. Mm-hmm, and it deserves recognition. <laughs> uh, uh, the, these lists are subject to our personal experiences and biases. <laughs> and with that said, my number I'm one so show is Common Rider Kuga. I knew it. You knew it? I knew it. Because I knew you had to have Common Rider somewhere on the list. I like Kamen Rider. What can I say? I, I, I took a, a step into it and then I just had to like dive through and watch almost all of it. I don't think I have seen one episode of Kuga. I don't believe you have. But uh, I really liked Ghosto and that part of why that show got an honorable mention is it's it showed me that Kamen Rider is something that I can get really invested in. It's very nice because each season is a different show, so you don't have to watch every single season. Yeah, you can skip certain ones and you can jump on to new ones and stuff and you don't have to worry about complex continuity drama. Yeah. All right, continue. 
Oh boy. Okay. Conrader Kuga. Um, it just, it, it is, it was a show made at the turn of the century. It, it's, it was a, the revival show. It was the show that brought Common Rider back from its long hiatus. It brought it into the new era. It, it, it changed up the formula while staying true to the roots. And, okay, none of that is, if for generally, in just general all shows, how it stands out. How it stands out is that it's just, it's got an amazing, like, personal resonance like it it has it it is a show that focuses on there being bad guys and stuff and there's just there's one there's single solitary solo superhero who has to handle it all himself whilst learning his powers whilst dealing with his personal issues and whilst being part of this ensemble cast of people who are who are who are dealing with these this threat the 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 monster organization threat of this series <sighs> so i haven't seen it what what about it makes it your favorite and like what like not necessarily what i would enjoy but like Basically, give me like an elevator pitch. How would you convince me to watch it? Common Rider Kuga <clears throat> is a show about the best protagonist ever. Okay, that's not uh, specific at all. <laughs> you want me to be specific and lay some groundwork, or do you want me to tell you like you don't have to lay some groundwork, but like what makes him the best? Well. He's genuinely just like the best person. He is caring and he is supportive and he will throw himself into the fray to help and protect you, to help anybody. He'll help random people. He will... And he cares deeply about people and their emotional state. And he's willing to sacrifice his own for others selflessly he's just someone who like can't stand to accept other people being you know being brought to tears and him not being able to do anything about it uh this is probably no surprise but i i generally prefer characters who are genuinely interested and love other people um a lot of shows especially like shonen like we were talking about that's another thing that makes hero academia kind of different is that like deku super duper cares about everybody forever and in a lot of shows main character again especially shows kind of targeted towards boys Mm -hmm. the main character is supposed to be aloof and isn't really supposed to show kind of that like unabashed like caring for other people and i really love it when characters have that because i think it's a an important trait to show an important Mm -hmm. trait to glorify yeah this show is all about the heroes who are trying to ensure the happiness and safety of people when 
they are threatened by genuinely what the threat is like unrepentant murderers like ghost had um ghost had like pretty like low pretty low stakes compared mm-hmm. to like a lot of like older common writer uh in ghost there wasn't there wasn't a lot of like genuine murder going on no it's very ghost is very much a kid's show and a lot of the older common writers are a little heavier than that mm-hmm. um think of common writer kuga as like a almost a it's kind of like a police procedural only every episode they're trying to catch a monstrous serial killer with the help of their still figuring out his powers superhero well you know what you know how i feel about police procedurals yeah um the main Uh, if no one else knows i really dig them (laughs) That it's important facts that need to be laid down. It's important it's to the whole continuity important. of this show. <laughs> um, the main character, Gorayusuke, he he goes through a lot, but he's just like a genuinely he's happy go lucky. And I know there are so many happy go lucky protagonists, but he's just such a like he's a, a more like a real person. There's a sense of like sort of real of reality to this show. Uh, and he's just like an honestly good person who just uh, he his whole goal in life is to master different skills and talents and use them to help other people that's that's all he's about um and being the common writer is an incredibly like serious and deadly responsibility and like I both can't imagine someone better for the job and also like can't help but be like sorry for him for having to burden this like responsibility all by himself. Yeah. I yep. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I know. I have you at the disadvantage here, but like you just have like a lot of great characters. Like you you have Detective Ichijo who is the he is Kuga's like friend on the place who has like he has like a deep and I would even say like romantic relationship to Godai um and you have all of Godai's friends who like care like deeply about him he like builds like genuine like friendships with him them um and like it's just they it's just like a really wonderful ensemble cast that I I care about all of them and like the city of Tokyo being plagued by uh, a bunch of monstrous serial killers is a genuine problem that puts all uh, that has like a genuine effect on the populace and puts a lot of stress on them and like getting to know them and like it's important um so do you think this is a good jumping off show for people who want to get into Common Rider? You mean jumping on show? Jumping on? Yeah, jumping you said off, jumping off. Jumping off point. No. Jump off of jump off of normal shows onto this show. Jumping on point. <laughs> <laughs> um any Common Rider show is actually a good jumping on point besides Common Rider Decade 
De- Decade is the only show that uh, has any connection to the other show's continuities at all. Um, but I, you know what I mean, though, because I think some things can be a little uh, exclusionary. Is it the best Kamen Rider show for a beginner to start out with? I don't know. I, I don't think so, genuinely. But is it the most important show to me? It is. It's definitively like the most important show to me. It, okay. it, it's, it, it made me, it made me smile. It made me cry. It's a, a really fantastic show. And I think to boil it all down, the thing that makes this show fantastic is that it, it is a, it is a violent adventure show. There's a lot of, there's a lot of violence and a, adventure excitement in media, but this is one of the few shows that like, thinks about and has as one of like one of its main themes is violence and what that does to people um what it the threat of violence does to people what violence can do directly to people and the grief it can cause and like what even like justified violence can do to a person who is forced to continue committing it all right I will have to watch it. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> so I thought a um an a quick wrap up uh little segment I guess would be to compare our shows and what they have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of surprised with my own list because I really like horror stuff and police procedurals and gritty things. Mm-hmm. And most of my shows are kids' shows. Well, I mean, they're just something that is, like... It's just the appeal of genuine fun. You know what I mean? It's something that stays with you longer. I I think it is the kind of cross-section between coming-of-age stories, which have an inherent character arc in there, and stories that have a message or a meaning, Mm -hmm. which a lot of kids' shows have. I'm realizing now that all of my shows, all of my shows at least, have like some, like even the ones that are like very cheerful on the surface, all have like the very serious themes at their core. Yeah. Again, there is something I think character growth is a very important component of a good show. Mm -hmm. And like some people, like, oh, there's always character growth. Like, no, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) not always can you give me your list again um how to get away with murder pushing Mm -hmm. daisies steven universe my hero academia and avatar the last airbender my one of my favorite shows that doesn't make this list is grim because uh i mean the main character is kind of coming of age into his grim powers but he doesn't really like fundamentally change except from like naive to not naive yeah, you're very much into um, shorter and stronger character arcs. Yeah, definitely things that are that uh, have like a tighter arc. I'm super into. I'm super into shows that are over. Also, <laughs> we definitely have some strong connections, at least with both of our like top threes. But um, I'm having trouble reconciling pushing daisies and how to get away with murder and better call Saul with all of our other picks. 
Yeah, I was going to say for yours, Better Call Saul is probably the one that stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I would say Pushing Daisies kind of goes with my kid shows just because of, like I said, it's, it's kind of bright and bubbly and I really like that. Yeah. Um, so How to Get Away with Murder and Better Call Saul is that are both <laughs> our like gritty picks. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I think like it's kind of a balance right where it's like we love these shows but it's important to note that (laughs) there are also good shows that are like not i wouldn't even say that how to get away with murder has like it definitely has character like changes um shows that are there are shows that are targeted towards adults and have uh adult um content that can still I mean, also deliver good messages and storytelling yeah i mean like i don't think how to get away with murder necessarily has like a good message oh that's like, fair i guess it's just like a really good and intriguing drama and the balance is it is number five on my list but it is one of my top five because uh it hooks me and i want to know what happens next and it's very interesting even though it doesn't engage me on the level of i'm watching these characters grow and i'm characters grow and i'm learning something better call saul has a lot of less messages and more drama to actually yeah so it's it's funny that both of us had one drama pick (laughs) do we want to discount them or what no they're definitely we're just observing and commenting it's just interesting that our top shows are all character growth shows are all shows with messages but there that doesn't mean that there isn't inherent value in shows that don't necessarily have those things can you re-restate your five picks yeah number five mob psycho 100 and that one is about um individual like growth um and it's about being normal and being special uh number four better call saul which is all about morality number three utena which is all about power dynamics and the like uh, abuse that goes along with power dynamics um two avatar the last airbender which is all about nations and unity and humanity and Comrade Kuga, which is all about, like, violence. Mm-hmm. So I'm very into very serious themes, as long as there is also a lighthearted side to it, too. When you put it that way, it's always, it's very like, oh, I love serious shows. Like, no, Utena's very funny, and Avatar The Last Airbender is very funny, and and Kuga, I'm sure, is very funny, because it's a kid's show. I'm I'm just saying that, like, a lot of these shows are fun, but I'm saying that what I'm actually trying to say is that the reasons that I picked them were for very serious themes are the reasons why I picked them. Mm-hmm. I really like serious themes, but I prefer when things have, like, a lighthearted side to them. Like, you... again, Avatar The Last Airbender is about war. Hero Academia is about, like, the accumulation of power and like greed and stuff like that and steven universe is about a, the larger plot anyway it's it's about like coming of age but it's also about like this whole like alien war and <laughs> it's got a lot of the themes in the other shows in that one in just that one show 
But like the reason I picked them is because they don't need to explore these concepts in gritty, dramatic ways. They explore these concepts in very accessible ways and very lighthearted ways that don't leave you depressed. In enjoying and entertainable ways. Yeah, they they can still take these themes and be comedic and like have you know terrible sad themes and still be cute and lighthearted. Mhm. And I picked all my shows because they were all really incredibly deeply entertaining to me too. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> anyway, uh those were our top 5 shows. You can talk to us, tell us what your top five shows are on tvdpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on facebook.com slash tvdpodcast. You can email us on Gmail, same, tvdpodcast at gmail.com. We're pretty much everywhere. Get in touch with us however way you'd like. Um, Tell us what you want us to watch next. We definitely have shows that we want uh, to see and that we want to show each other, but... um, it's nice to know what you guys want us to see. So we will see you in two weeks from now. Until then, happy holidays. Bon appetit. No. <laughs> Bye. Go watch these shows.